Amen. He's so worthy of our adoration. First of all, just because he's the creator. But secondly, and very dear to us, it's because he's our redeemer and our friend. And he wants us to grow in wisdom. And so we're studying the book of Proverbs. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 6. The theme of our uh, study in Proverbs is a time for wisdom. And then we're breaking it down into various areas of life. And this morning is a time for wisdom in our work. I mean, it's Labor Day, right? And so it's a perfect time for us to consider the way that God has used hard work to make our nation prosperous. Of course, our nation prospers because of God's grace alone, but also human responsibility in working hard. And what we're really celebrating this morning, of course, is the work ethic that flows from the gospel because of the finished work of Christ, we then as Christians filled with the Spirit are empowered and enabled and inspired to work hard as a response of God's love for us. We believe in the power of the kingdom of God expanding and the kingdom of God coming through every arena of work. We don't believe that, that just church work is what God cares about. But the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, the plumber, every single vocation is used of God to usher in the kingdom. Not because you use that vocation to witness, but because that vocation in and of itself is part of Jesus making all things new. Now what I hope I've just done this Labor Day weekend is given every single one of you a reason to get up in the morning. Whether you work in the home or out of the home, whether you're a student that is uh, focusing on academics or you're an athlete that's learning how to develop skill in sports, every single one of us as believers in Christ are called to work hard. And we're learning this wisdom from Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, in 1 Kings chapter 3, God asked Solomon that he, he could ask for anything. God invited Solomon to, to ask for anything and God would give it. What would you ask for? Well, Solomon asked for wisdom. And we find out in 1 Kings 4 that as a result of the wisdom that God gave Solomon, now we don't know whether God downloaded it or, or whether Solomon simply observed life and came to conclusions, and that's what I actually think happened. I don't think God downloaded wisdom into his brain. He still was a man. He still grew in wisdom just like Jesus did. But Solomon, in a sense, became a man who had PhDs. In every single area of study. One of uh, Laurie's my favorite movies is My Big Fat Greek Wedding. And in that movie, he says, You give me word, any word, I show you it come from Greek. Well, it's true when it comes to all these areas of study. In 1 Kings 4, we learn that Solomon taught on trees, on the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, reptiles and fish. 
And Solomon had PhDs in all of those because of God's gift. The study of trees from the Greek, dendros. Dendrology is the study of trees. The study of fish from the Greek, ichthus. Jesus Christ, God's Son, Savior. Ichthyology is the study of fish. The study of insects from the Greek, entomon. Entomology is the study of insects. And even the study of ants within entomology, the Greek myrmec. And if you study ants, you're a myrmecologist. Well, we are all to become myrmecologists today. Because Solomon says, if you really want to learn about work from a divine perspective, go and observe the ant. Now, how humbling. We are image bearers. We are the crown of creation And yet God says, if you want to learn about work, go to something that you are 750 times larger than. Go to an ant, and you'll learn from that ant how God calls us to a life of hard work. So let's all stand out of wisdom for God's Word. If you're able to stand, of course, and we uh, look at Proverbs 6 verses 6 through 11. Uh, This is God's word. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, A little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. May God bless the hearing and teaching of his inspired, infallible, inerrant, and authoritative word. This is God's word. He gave it to us because he loves us, and he wants us to reflect him in creation by working hard in all of our disciplines for His glory, our benefit, and the common good. Let's pray. God, every one of us has been created for a purpose. No matter our brokenness, no matter our limitations, we have been created for a purpose. And that purpose involves at some level work. And so, God, we ask you to teach us. Open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So the ant is known for its industriousness. It is the example of diligence, hard work. And God wants us to apply that to our lives. No matter our age, no matter our stage in life. Like I said earlier, as a student, as an athlete, as a worker in the home, as a worker outside of the home, not just vocation, but but whatever work we do in the church and through the church, work in our relationships, work in our friendships, work in our family relationships, work in our parenting, work in our marriage, work in our retirement years through service, all of us are addressed 
when it comes to hard work. So what can we learn from the ant? Three lessons on serving God through work. First of all, work with holy effort. Effort. Verse 6, go to the ant, O sluggard. Now what's a sluggard? Uh, Someone who is disinclined to do any work. Someone who exerts very little effort in life. Someone who's lazy. Someone who is always standing around idle. Someone who is slack. Someone who's lethargic, slothful, sleepy. Now, this isn't just addressed, though, to those who are characterized by those elements. It also addresses every single one of us who, because of sin, because of the fall and brokenness, wrestle with those elements of slothfulness in our lives. Look, we may not be characterized by slothful, but every single one of us is tempted with idleness, is tempted from time to time with laziness. Again, whether it's our marriage or our vocation, whether it's our parenting or our friendships, whether it's the means of grace, spending time with God. We, we are all tempted toward laziness at times. And we're to work with holy effort. Now, why do I call it holy effort? Because it's effort that we extend, that we exert, not for acceptance by God, but from acceptance. If we know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, if we've transferred our trust from our own efforts at righteousness and godliness, and we've rested in the finished work of Christ alone, then we are accepted by God by grace. And we're not working or exercising effort for God's love, for God's acceptance, but from a place of acceptance. And that's what makes it holy effort as opposed to just effort. Verse 9, how long will you lie there? O sluggard, when you will rise from your sleep. It's so often inside of us, we just rather take it easy. What's the rush? What's the big deal? Now listen, I understand that we at times face the issues of overwork and workaholism and always being busy. But we need to let God's Word teach what it teaches. And today God's Word in Proverbs is not teaching about workaholism. It is addressing the need to go to the ant and make sure we are being diligent and to repent of any idleness in our lives. Now notice that we hear about wisdom for work in what is called special revelation. The Word of God is special revelation. It's given to us by God's power. It is truth. But there's also general revelation. General revelation is how God can teach us through observing His creation. And oftentimes, God will teach us if we take the time to observe the created order. And so Solomon, inspired by God, calls us to observe the ant and notice its diligence, its holy effort. Look at verse 8. She prepares 
she gathers, she's engaged in ceaseless effort. And so Solomon says in verse 6, go to the ant, consider her ways, and be wise. In other words, observe the ant and then begin to apply those principles to our own lives. Every arena of work, whether it be vocation or any other kind of effort. You see, God wants us to reflect His being as image bearers. And Jesus said clearly in the Gospel of John that God the Father was always at work. And that's why Jesus was working as well. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle of grace. If anybody understood grace, Paul did. But he said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And I worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God that is in me. Grace works. Grace enables inspires and motivates work. Sadly, I hear from many Christian business owners that Christians are often some of the most problematic employees they have to deal with. That somehow weird views of grace enter into people's minds and Christians feel entitled. Christians feel that grace means they don't have to work hard. That they should get breaks because of grace. Well, listen, when it comes to salvation, it's all grace. But once we're saved, grace enables and empowers us to work and to work hard. Every Christian is called to be a myrmecologist, a doctorate, a PhD in the study of ants. Do you know that the average ant lives a life of about seven years? And night and day, ants spend those seven years constantly at work. They gather food. They bring it back to the nest for daily food. They prepare for winter and other difficult months and seasons by storing up every day for the long haul. Ants are skilled farmers. They grow crops. Did you know that? They go out during the day and gather pieces of grass and other organic material. And then they gather mushroom spores. Then they use the organic material to fertilize the spores. And they grow food for the colony. Some ants are in the dairy business. There are these sap-sucking bugs called aphids. You'll find them on little tiny bugs. You'll find them on leaves or on stems. And, and certain ants herd the aphids. They herd them into the colony. And then other dairy farmer ants milk the aphids for the liquid, for the nutrients, for the drink. And then other ants shepherd the aphids back out of the nest, back onto the plants, so that they can actually suck more sap 
and then the ants can bring them back into the nest. Ants build, they farm, they milk, they do whatever it takes. And they're not even image bearers. We are. And if an ant can do it, so can you. You are the crown of God's creation. And God has called us to work and to work hard, to exercise holy effort. Work is not a result of the fall. God gave Adam the garden to work and Eve the garden to work before the fall. All the fall did was make work involve more sweat and blood and tears. But we are called to work. How do you need to repent of being idle this Labor Day? Of being lazy? Of using grace as an excuse for not working hard? May God grant us repentance and may we trust Jesus for change. And then secondly, we're to also learn the lesson of working with holy initiative. We not just show forth great effort, but we don't wait to be told what to do. We, We survey a situation, ask God for wisdom of what needs to be done, and then we take initiative. Look at verses 7 and 8. Without having any chief or officer or ruler... She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. Without having any direct report, without having any manager, without having any supervisor or VP over top of her, the ant simply takes the initiative to get the right things done right. She needs no one to inspire her. No one to motivate her. She doesn't need staff meetings for direction. She doesn't need sales retreats. She doesn't need cheerleading speeches. The ant is a self-starter, an initiator. And no matter our personalities, that is what God calls us to as well. We're to tap into our God-given internal motivation to do what needs to be done and not waiting around to be told what needs to be done. I think I've told you before that uh, I paid for college by working uh, street construction, road construction, not house construction, but road construction. And one of the things I learned early on, and it's funny because I, I clearly see a change in generations. You'll pass road crews now and you'll find one person working and four guys standing around watching them. Okay, you'd be fired for that where I worked road construction. I was taught always be doing something. Never be standing around. Even if you need a break, walk to the water cooler, get a drink, and then walk back. But there's always trash to clean up. There's always some dirt you can take off the road. There's always something that can be done. And God has called us to take the initiative to survey our situation, look for opportunities, and to take the initiative. That's what the ant does. Look at verses 7 and 8 again. She prepares her bread in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. She initiates plans for the future. She sees the opportunities and jumps at it. She plans her work and works 
her plans. And this is true whether you're a student studying in junior high, high school, college, or whether you're trying to improve an area of life like marriage or parenting or friendships, or whether it relates to your vocation. The ant basically understands the adage, make hay while the sun shines. Plan for the rainy day. Take the initiative. I heard the story the other day about uh, two ants that were in the fairway of a golf course. And they noticed this noise, this, this man that was just getting furious. And they looked across the fairway and there's this guy just hacking away. It reminded them of Bob Flayhart. They were hacking away and dirt was just flying everywhere. And they noticed that the guy was, was hitting a, trying to hit a ball in, in, in an anthill, an ant colony. And their fellow brothers and sister ants were being whacked into ant heaven with every swing. And the one ant looked to the other ant and said, Unless those guys want to all die, the only way they're going to survive this thing is if they get on the ball. Take you a second. The only thing the guy didn't hit was the ball. The only safe place was the ball. Look, if we're going to survive life, but even more importantly, thrive in life, we need to get on the ball. We need to recover what's been known through history as the Protestant work ethic. And it was called the Protestant work ethic because it was through the preaching and proclaiming of grace that people fell in love with Christ And wanted to be obedient to God by living a life of holy initiative. Work with holy effort. Work with holy initiative. And then thirdly and finally, work with holy expectation. Now there are two expectations that are sort of highlighted in this passage. The one expectation that is highlighted is that if we engage in a sluggard lifestyle... If we are lazy, if we are idle, there are going to be consequences. Look at verse 10. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and they will come to poverty. Proverbs tells us repeatedly that we're to expect poverty if we fail to engage in hard work. Now, just a side issue here, a side item In Proverbs and actually all through Scripture, there's a huge difference between being poor and coming to poverty. If you're poor, biblically speaking, you are destitute because of causes generally outside your control. You're not lazy. You're not a sluggard. It's not because you're not working. It's it's because... Circumstances outside of your control have brought you to the place of being poor. Poverty, however, in the Bible, in Proverbs, is a whole different ballgame. Poverty is destitution because you're lazy. Poverty is destitution and lack because you're idle. So God calls the poor 
to expect to be shown mercy and generosity by others. God calls one in poverty to recognize that no help is coming, that their poverty is the result of their own sluggishness. Now notice in verse 10, the word little is repeated three times. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. In other words, we are too easily deceived that just a little laziness is no big deal. God says in this passage that he is not mocked. Like it says in Galatians 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. A person shall reap what they sow. And if you reap to laziness, I mean, if you sow to laziness, you're going to reap poverty. Look at verse 11. Poverty will come upon you like a robber. You should expect poverty to jump out at you suddenly when you engage in even a little laziness, if you avoid hard work and taking the initiative. Now, what's the good news for us as far as expectations is all through the Bible, God says, if you sow to the flesh, you'll reap death. If you sow to laziness, you'll reap poverty. On the other hand, if you sow to the Spirit, you'll reap life. If you trust Jesus, you'll be saved from hell. If you read your Bible, it will always pay off. Not, God won't love you more, and God won't love you more if you work harder. God's love for you is consistent and stable in Christ alone. You can do nothing if you're a Christian that will cause God to love you any more than he already does in Christ. And if you're a Christian, you can do nothing that could diminish God's love for you in Christ. However, that doesn't mean that there aren't things we're called to engage in by grace. And hard work is one of them. But if we sow to the Spirit, to godly things, to biblical things, then we can expect to reap a harvest. Matter of fact, Proverbs, uh, oftentimes Proverbs uh, sets out a, an oppositional um, kind of parallelism, a comparative or contrasting parallelism. For instance, I'll read some to you. Proverbs 12, 11, Proverbs 28, verse 19, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. That's the expectation. But he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. There's the contrast. Uh, Proverbs 12, 27, whoever is slothful will not roast his game. In other words, he's a procrastinator. But the diligent man will gain precious wealth. Now, this is not a health, wealth, prosperity gospel. We don't believe in that. Um, God may or may not bless your hard work with material prosperity. But the expectation, the holy expectation, is that if we work hard, if we take the initiative, we can have a holy expectation. That's why it's a holy expectation. It's not an expectation of health, wealth, prosperity. It's a holy expectation of there will be some kind of harvest if we work hard. Paul concludes his letter in 1 Corinthians, well, near the end. He says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord 
Your labor is not in vain. Folks, in the Lord, none of your labor will ever be in vain. The least amount of initiative, the least amount of of hard effort, God says you can expect to find benefit and blessing. Again, for you, for his honor and glory, and for the common good. You know, one of the things that has been discovered about ants is uh, they work so much for the common good, uh, much more than any researchers ever thought before. There are ants in uh, the South American um, rainforests. And uh, because of the rain, you know, ants are so small, uh, a little bit of washaway uh, runoff creates these huge Grand Canyons for ants because of their size. Well, they've done research that these South American rainforest ants actually make bridges out of themselves for other ants. Depending on the hole, they'll have a number of ants that fill in the gap, the Grand Canyon. So if for an ant there's a huge gully, it could take 200,000 ants to make a bridge for the rest of the ants. If it's just a little bit of a, a break, it might just take five ants. But they've shown through research that the ants lay down their bodies as bridges for the other ants to get to where they need to go for the common good of the colony. Jesus laid down his life in the grand chasm and canyon between us and our creator God. And no matter the gap in your life, Jesus Christ is all that you need. We can talk about hard work, and we need to. When it comes to salvation, there is no room for works. Christ does it all. We need to be very careful this morning that we don't confuse hard work in life with working for salvation. Works flow from salvation. They don't bring salvation. And so in Ephesians it says, for by grace we are saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, not of your own doing. Even the faith that saves is a gift. And then in verse 10, Paul writes, For we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God even prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. Jesus laid his body out so that we might be brought to heaven. And as we're saved, we become a people who engage in holy effort, in holy initiative, and we have holy expectations that we will reap a wonderful, beautiful harvest for us, the glory of God, and the common good. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you for Proverbs. And, and Lord, we, we live in a community where most of us are here because, well, first of all, because of your grace, but, but secondly, because we are hard workers. And so, Lord, where this message applies to us, where we find laziness in certain areas, God, we may be workaholics in our careers, but we're not working very hard as a mom or a dad or a brother or a sister. Or maybe we're working hard to grow spiritually, but we're not working so hard in school. Lord, we all have places where we need to repent. So, Lord, we trust you to change us and to make us into a people that understand the work ethic that flows from grace. God, if there's anybody here this morning that doesn't know Christ, may today be the day of their salvation where they cease from their works when it comes to knowing you and then enter into a life where you actually provide good works for us to walk in. So God, this Labor Day, we thank you for the privilege of having jobs. And for those who are out of work, God, we pray for them. God, we pray for the poor, that through circumstances that are at times beyond their control, they're poor. And may we have hearts of compassion and mercy toward them. Lord, may we be a church that loves you and loves our neighbor as ourselves. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. Hear the benediction. The promise of God's love, favor, mercy, and grace upon our lives as we leave to serve the common good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God our Abba Father and the fellowship and transforming power of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always.